Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Focusrite Pro Podcast. This is a monthly show where we dive into the cutting edge technology behind professional audio products. My name is Dan Hughley and I'm the U.S. Marketing Manager for Focusrite and Focusrite Pro. Today we're coming to you live from the NAB show as part of our NAB series. On the show today I'm joined by Kurt Howell, Ted White, and Matt Pliskin of the Focusrite Pro team and we'll be discussing the current state of audio over IP, the future of audio over IP, solutions we've provided for our clients, and a whole lot more. Let's get started. This is Kurt Howell, one of my North American sales manager for Focusrite Pro. I'm Ted White, Global Marketing Manager for Focusrite Pro. I'm Matt Pliskin, Senior Solutions Specialist for Focusrite Pro. I'm Dan Hughley, U.S. Marketing Manager for Focusrite and Focusrite Pro. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. So Focusrite Pro has a new worldwide uh, marketing manager named Ted White. We're glad to have Ted White back into the fold. Yeah, he was great. here from the very beginning when it was just RedNet. Uh, Ted, uh, yeah. welcome. When it was TedNet. Yeah, a correct? lot has changed. It was TedNet at the time? Back Most then, no, back then no one cared about audio over IP. That's right. We can, Everybody we thought we were out of our minds. And, and, uh, and that's a, that's a, I'm glad you said that, Ted, because what's the difference now? Why, why do they care now and how, it's how is it? a matter of time. You know, if you beat somebody up enough, long enough yeah. <laughs> over a long enough period of time, they, they, they just, end up coming back for more. They just start handing out their it's lunch just human money. human nature. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They give you... You don't even have to ask That's anymore. Right. Well, uh, the irony is that being we're seven years into audio over IP, yeah. a little over seven, yep. seven or eight there years. are still people who still come up and it's still uh, this minefield that they're afraid of. And, and it, it is interesting when someone sees it for the first time and sets it up, about three minutes into the setup, a light goes off and they go, oh, I get this. So it, it's not as crazy as, as people think it is. And, and it, I think the number one comment I always hear is that it just simply works. Right. We have universities that have had systems up for four and five years that have never failed. So it's, it, it's just a matter of time. And, and now we finally have the broadcast community totally embracing this, which is great. All right. So, to tell you something. And we're back. All right. There we go. Can we lock Rich out? How do we lock Rich out? <laughs> we're working on that feature in our so software. I heard, I heard, I heard uh, crickets for some reason, and then yeah. my mic dropped out. Yeah. So welcome. I'm back. Um, so Matt and Ted, you both... Ted, you used to hold the same position that Matt has now, and Matt, you're the senior solution specialist. What is it that is the most difficult thing to convince people of? I, I know Kurt was just saying that it simply works. How do you get people from, I'm afraid of this technology, to, wow, it does just simply work? I think showing them. I mean, as Kurt was saying that, it really is true that you know, we've been telling these people it just simply works from the beginning, and it's easy to use, and those are really why our company went with Dante as an audio over IP platform to begin with when we started doing RedNet. Um, but yeah, once people get their hands on the system and they see that it really is as simple as we told them it was in the first place, yeah. then they believe it. Just grid-based routing, right? And the thing, the thing, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way it, I made this work in my head is that um, it's just like any other audio interface, except it's very high quality, and the converters are in each of the modular boxes, right? So like we're talking into RedNet X2Ps. So it converts that, si that analog signal to digital 
and then it sends it to a switch via um, ones and zeros, or it converts it there, right? Uh, and sends it to the switch. The send the switch then sends it to Pro Tools, and it's it's just done there rather than in the box, like in your your standard, like if you had a Scarlet, right? Is that is that make any sense? Yeah, no, that's a fair way to explain it. I mean, having the conversion in each box and being able to have all these different boxes wherever your source signals are is really great because you're not having to spend money on expensive cabling. You're also, by keeping the cabling short, uh, giving much better quality to your signals. So less um, less places for a standard like XLR cable to fail, right? Because um, you're not going from, let's say, a microphone to a wall box and then a wall box to a snake uh, and then the snake into the computer. You're just going... Um, like right now, we are going from our mics into the interface, and then that's going into the computer from there, right? Absolutely. And so the digital signal is more stable than a standard analog signal? Is that true? definitely is, and an Ethernet-based digital signal is more stable over long lengths than okay. traditional audio transports that are digital. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. What are what are no? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm, I'm just um, just. What are some of the uh, the challenges you run into dealing with worldwide marketing and stuff? <laughs> uh, I mean, tell tell us. Swear with us. Switch up the topic. <laughs> I don't know. Who wants to hear about that? Um, no, I, I think it's an awareness thing. Like I. No, I mean, yeah. Different different regions of the of the globe view oh. audio over IP differently. They see it. Uh, you know, they they have different problems than than other parts of the world. Some people, it's the problems are pretty complex, and they need extensive networks to solve their problems, and other uh, other people don't. So it's yeah, it's similar. It's similar everywhere. But the education principle, I think, about audio over IP is the same, no matter where you are in the world. It's a uh, is it still just education? New, yeah, it's education. It's a new. Um, you know, for a lot of people, audio over IP has been a um, this sort of uh, uh, magical thing that just that just happens, and they don't understand why. They don't understand how easy it is and how plug and play it it, it can be. And uh, yeah, they just need more education and awareness. Like Matt says, once you show them how it works, um, yeah, then they understand how simple it is. So there's been a big increase over the last year in. New case studies, new videos are not coming out, new uh, pamphlets on various different right. formats that we sell into. So, yeah. That's helping a ton. Yeah, so get, to get back to that that point about showing people. Um, yeah, it, uh, uh, the video case studies and, and written case studies are huge, you know, explaining what, what problems uh, a customer has and, and how they solve them with RedNet or Audio over IP is, uh, is the most effective form of marketing, I think. And I, I think the key to those is the, um, the readers, uh, it's hope that they can identify with the problem and then therefore they see the solution, which is Focusrite Pro fix that for me. Does that, is that what yes. you've been hearing from people? Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's nearly arrogantly of everyone else is using our products, why aren't you? And I mean that in a positive sense because we've done a good job at solving a lot of different workflows and solutions and we have multiple case studies of people doing that so it's it's near like when I speak to a new customer they're you know they will here's what I'm doing I go, well that's similar to what Blair did at, at North Texas State let's connect you two together and let you talk and he loves to talk about 
here. So it's 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 just a network of people that just like to share the information. It's 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 an exciting field to be into. Where do you think audio? What what do you think is in the future for audio over IP? Without adding in uh, video or any other uh, I think mediums, you can't not add in video. Okay. It's it's just well. Wh let me let me let me ask that a different way. Big um, part of the conversation. Now. Wh yeah. What is what is going to join? Uh, as far as hardware, where where do you see this going down to? Do you see um, you know at Focusrite? Do you see our Claret and Scarlet interfaces having a Dante port on them at some point? Uh, not you know not talking anything specific, just talking. You know, in the future, I mean, or do you see you know other manufacturers as well with their their more MI focused uh, interfaces? Do you see them coming into this world, or how how big is this going to get? Is really my question. I I think that the the interface from the thousand to five hundred dollar price range is going to have more and more competition. Uh, I just think everyone looks at Focusrite as the leading dominator in that, and they want a piece of that pie. I see that. I think on on our side of the street in the Focusrite Pro. Um, Everything is going AV, that whether you agree with it or not, that's just where the money is and that's where the future is going and video is going to be a dominant part of that. It's what essentially AVB started out to be and never materialized. Dante answered the audio question and now the question is, well, I need to see what I'm hearing. Yeah. And so the audio interfaces are going to start having video options for all the different codecs that are available to just expand on that base because that's the largest growing demographic and marketplace to get into. And uh, I think we're going to see everyone competing for that. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to trickle down to smaller interfaces, you know, less expensive interfaces that have audio over IP capability. Yeah. Do uh, any of you guys have a cool story of a really cool solution that we've uh, provided? Um, Something interesting, something people might not think of, something uh, you want to talk about? There isn't a week goes by that I don't hear someone using our product in a way I've never imagined. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember when we got the call from the, uh, the company in Tampa that does all the certification for cars and when it passes, what's the name of that company? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, the Nelson the Nielsen um, survey. Oh, yeah. And they call one day and they're buying a whole bunch of PCIe R cards. And I went... Okay, well, how are you using this then? And they said, well, when we're testing cars, we have to run frequencies through the doors to see where they rattle, and we need an audio interface to get it there. And I'm going, wow, cool. Wow. Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. And, and they um, also test NASA uh, capsules to see at, at two hertz what happens when you do 180 dBs you know, in the capsule. So it's, it's just amazing the stuff that comes up all the time that, where they plug in a RedNet interface and, and check it. I had a call from a guy the other day who's, I do smart systems, I tune line arrays. Um, I don't need an A-channel interface, what can I do? And we suggested two X2Ps. It's Dante, just in the channels, you have your outputs, you got your preamps, and, and recently with House of Worship, realizing that the X2P's perfect for their band pit to get rid of that analog snake and that headphone box to do it all in one. Yeah. It seems so obvious, but yet it's, it's just there and you just have to kind of lead them to the water. You're thirsty, drink away. Yeah, and there's a lot of non-audio applications as well that I've talked to people, um, people doing like medical research at universities mm -hmm. that are using sensors that put out an AC signal, so it's similar to an audio signal. Okay. Um, running that into our ADD converters and then over the network to a PCI card so they can ingest all these signals coming from heart sensors or other types of new medical technologies that are emerging. And they just need a path to get a lot of channels with very high fidelity 
back into the computer running their custom software. Well, especially hospitals where nurses, yeah. they now are all wearing wireless mics because of legalities and lawsuits. Uh, they have somewhere in that hospital, someone is capturing all these wireless mics, recording them for, yes, I did say that you should drink that and take that pill. Yeah. Or, no, I didn't say it, you know. Yep. Uh, uh, courtrooms, you know, mm -hmm. where they have, mm -hmm. you know, 80 microphones for legislatures to talk. It's That's what's exciting about this is that I never know what the question's going to be when the phone rings. Other than, you know, I need your products. Yeah, yeah. It's grayed out. What did I do? You know, it's uh, turn it on. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt just had a a, a multi-day scenario with with a, a gentleman that was a composer, and and everything in the world's going on. You should tell the story, and it turned out to be a what a Thunderbolt cable. The guy in Nashville. Spoiler, yeah. Spoiler yeah, yeah. alert. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's he told okay. the punchline. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that one was pretty crazy. Um, I'm just trying to think through all the different steps of what was going on. So basically, he had expanded his system with some of our stuff. Um, the PCI cards are great for composers. It allows them to use a sequencer computer, get lots of channels out. Oftentimes, they're recording into a Pro Tools rig. Um, so having everything interconnect over Dante is super streamlined for them, really expandable. Um, so he was trying to get into that workflow, and he had a Pro Tools card in a PCI chassis that was running over an optical Thunderbolt cable from a machine room into his new uh, iMac Pro. So mm -hmm. the computer has to be in the main control room, but most of his gear is in the machine room. Optical Thunderbolt is great for that in theory, although... Or not. I've heard from a lot of like retailers and integrators when talking about Optical Thunderbolt, they shake their head or make some grumble and you know tell me stories about how unreliable they are. I had never experienced this firsthand, but this was my first time experiencing it. So we got our PCI card in his three-slot chassis along with the Pro Tools card, and it wouldn't connect. Yeah. And so we went through quite a lot of troubleshooting, and ultimately we narrowed it down to that Thunderbolt cable. Yeah. Um, and it was you know, a pretty involved process because we had to do things like take the chassis out and bring it next to the computer with Put it in different a regular yeah. Thunderbolt cable just yeah. to kind of, you know, and of course... That's the last thing you really want to suggest. You want to try everything that you can do, software side and other things like that, just to not waste a bunch of time moving things around. But ultimately, you have to rule those possibilities out. And so after quite a lot of moving things around, even pulling out another chassis that he had, so we've got a card in each chassis, and those are working. So basically, we found that this optical Thunderbolt cable um, worked to a certain extent, but would not allow multiple devices to be on the bus. And of course, it's absolutely supposed to work like any Thunderbolt cable where you can have, what is it, six devices per chain? Yeah. Um, so yeah, failed cable. But that's a really good example of what Focusrite Pro brings to the table. We're dealing with professionals that this is how they make their living, they pay their mortgage, and our staff is equipped with people who have years of experience, not in just recording, but in post and, and, and technical support that we can help answer that deeper question yeah. than just, my 2i2 doesn't work. Yeah, it's often that we're solving other manufacturers' problems. You know, well, when we're called into and not even just audio companies. Like you're talking about a Thunderbolt cable in this situation. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. that's data, right? Yeah. I remember right. a trip the two of you made up to a, a company up in the Northeast that was having issues with everyone else's gear but ours. But yeah, you guys solved it, and yeah. that that's true. I we've about been that. doing this for a long time, and and there's not many questions we haven't bumped into, and. I think that's why we are, are having success. So I've been asked to go All right. assist someone with a technical matter. All right. I will well, jump back in in a minute. All right. Sounds, sounds good. good. Sounds good. See, again, that level of service that we provide, Matt's, yeah. 
gonna Even go at ahead. Trade and, shows. Yeah, yeah. Here we are at a trade show, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's great that Helping we people. we do provide that. And I, I, I've I've heard more than one time that Matt's traveled out and assisted someone when it wasn't really a Focusrite Pro problem. It um, happens. Yeah, it happens. It's not something we we want to deal with, but ultimately, we don't want the finger to be pointed on a product that didn't fail. Right. You know, because uh, every everybody likes to to point the fingers, even if it's their fault. Um, so we don't. Well, if you want your product in this in in this marketplace and in, in the in the pro marketplace, if you want your product to succeed, you have to have ultimate support. They have great stands. The, the larger uh, <laughs> the larger uh, you know customers that we have that we can't name by names so of the large broadcasting corporations. Um, for example, they expect that, and they won't buy your product unless you provide a certain level of service. You know, they need to rely on on being able to call us from, say, the Olympics at three in the morning from a faraway land and yeah. get answers and get problems solved. Yeah, this is not a nine to five gig. No, it's anyone not. that says it is, they are they are uh, they're not good at their reality. job. Well, it's not. I mean. That's not supposed to be politically correct, but the reality is, is if I'm at a post facility and it's uh, 2 a.m. Saturday morning and I get a major glitch, I need to know that there's someone I can wake up somewhere and say, have you ever run into this? And whether it's right or wrong, that's what we do. We all really care about our product. It's one of the few products I've ever worked with where there's it's not about uh, spinning or lying or fibbing. It's the stuff works. It sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. And... Just a, there's just a little hand-holding to get it working Sometimes. right in every application. Sometimes. Because yeah. not every every um, every situation our product goes into is the same. Every you customer is a, is a custom yeah. setup. There is not, oh, I sold this here, but that isn't what you need. Cool. Moving forward, one, one more question, and this is just a, this is an amateur hour question, um, and I'm not sure what the capabilities are uh, of the technology, but what about um, wireless? What, what does the future look like for wireless? Not when it comes to uh, Dante. There's too much latency. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you go into a football stadium. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's 60,000 people there, all with two iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. You can do ad hoc because some of our iOS devices do work with our products. Yep. You have to set up a special network so that you don't have uh, Sure, so overflow. you can control from the iPad, right? right? Yeah. It's just not fast enough. It's just I mean, not fast enough yet. Yeah, that's the reality. Do you think in the future there, there might be something? Or? I don't know. Um, not the near future is yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. We'll be retired by then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Is that a good place to wrap this up, guys? Cool. Sounds good, yeah. Wrap it up. Yeah. All Great right. job. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us for the Focusrite Pro podcast. This podcast is produced by me, Dan Hughley, with music by Simon Poulton. This show was recorded on location at the NAB show. For more information on Focusrite Pro, please visit our website at www.pro.com dot focusright dot com <laughs>